Millions of frontline workers keep our economy running and are provided with the latest technology to do their jobs. But digital adoption, especially by frontline workers, is really hard. This is Frontline Innovators. We explore how to overcome challenges and achieve success when we empower our essential workers. I'm Justin Lake. And I'm Gene Signorini. Together, we speak with experts who are leading the way and driving digital transformation to the front line. This podcast is sponsored by Skillful on a mission to help frontline workers learn and use the technology needed to succeed in their jobs. Welcome to the Frontline Innovators Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Lake, and I'm really looking forward to today's episode. Today's guest excels in change management, technical and content writing, and teaching. He's a Lean Six Sigma Yellow Belt and has several ProSize certifications. He's currently a Strategic Change Administrator at Sunflower Electric Power Corporation. Please welcome John Ross. Hello, John. Hello, Justin, and thank you. Really uh, excited to have you here on the show today and um, looking forward to uh, getting your story out to the rest of our audience. So let's start off as we always do and, and get your take on what you think is the biggest challenge facing the deskless workforce today. I think that the biggest challenge facing the deskless workforce is really engagement and um, uh, our employees are so focused on their work that um, well, they have a task to do. That task is the on for our, our customers and members. And so engaging them in chain and also uh, the right processes and projects is sometimes a little bit difficult. Um, we're working diligently on this. And we have a number of task forces are in place to really build relationships and and, and reach out to employees. Uh, so it's interesting you talk about engagement right out of the gate, which I love. How do you define and measure engagement? Well, this is a really interesting question because this is something that we struggle with. And uh, I'll kind of hit the second part of the question first in measuring engagement. We have uh, biannual surveys that we do of all employees. We ask them questions about engagement and how they feel about leadership and, and their roles in the company in that. And so we, we have that data, but we're really planning on drilling down more into that to find out um, you know, how, how are things going in terms of their psychological safety, for instance, and how are they doing with, um, how do they want to build their leadership skills? We have a project that we're enrolling in, and I think that this will be a multi-year project to build that, that engagement. Um, in, in terms of defining engagement, uh, one of the things that that we see as essential to the company and its growth is building the confidence to have crucial conversations and to say to a manager or a project lead, I have some reservations about this, or I think that I have a better idea on how to do this. And, and those are the difficult things for us to do. Um, we really want employees to speak up, but um, sometimes they're a little bit hesitant because they may be concerned that they're speaking in front of their peers or maybe that their idea just isn't as good as it, as they think that it is, or that they may receive from a manager or an executive. So it's, this is an ongoing issue. And I think that um, 
Well, I hope that we're going about this in the right way, uh, really trying to stimulate um, kind of that trust-based culture throughout the company. All right, this is uh, this is a great start already, and I'm I'm dying to explore a couple of the things that you just said, but I, I want to make sure that our audience understands who they're hearing from here uh, before we get into some of the nitty gritty that I want to explore with you. So let's take a couple steps back and uh, let the folks get to know you a little bit. Tell us how you ended up in the role that you're in today. What was some of your background? What led to you being involved in, in change management and organization like what you're at today? Very good. I had um, joined Sunflower in uh, July of 2015. And uh, previous to that, I had worked for uh, the university and I was in the the upper administrative areas of the, of and uh, after 25 years, I felt that I needed change, and uh, I have a, a pretty strong technical background, and so it seemed natural for me to uh, reach out to Sunflower and see if there was a position. Mm-hmm. I was hired as a business process specialist, really an emphasis on on uh, business administration skills and uh, more on the process side where um, work with SMEs and uh, engineers and project leads on analyzing processes and mapping those processes. Um, I was involved in really large corporate projects to map um, processes for um, an ERP project that we were doing. So, uh, I'm baptized pretty quickly in a lot of different areas of the company. Um, I became interested in change management because of a suggestion uh, by another one of my con- uh, colleagues. Uh, she had suggested that I attend a conference in uh, Florida, put on my uh, utility events. And um, she really pointed me towards the process side, but part of that conference also was change management. And I was completely new to the field and uh, went there and, and uh, listened pretty carefully to everything that I was hearing and, and uh, was kind of texted back and forth and through this all new to me and and what a, what an interesting field this is. I brought that information back and um, really pushed um, within our department to, hey, I think we should look at this and and become um, really more immersed in this because I think it's do some good for the company. And um, after about Almost six months of conversations. Uh, my immediate supervisor went to ProSize uh, Change Management Certification class. And uh, one of our executives and the, uh, the senior manager of human resources and uh, our uh, organizational development manager went to uh, ProSize Bootcamp. Things were starting to roll a little bit and and a lot more interest in starting to, to, uh, to generate with change management. Um, and at the same time, we were starting this migration from uh, Oracle EMS to uh, Oracle Fusion. Major ERP project that involved uh, nine areas of the company. Our executives said, well, this would be a good demonstration project, change management. and and that uh, we would like for you to lead that. Uh, I hadn't even attended change practitioner training yet, so that was doing that at the same time and putting together a plan for leading the project. Uh, we've been given some credit for this 
Tesla project and did a lot of assessments of the uh, stakeholders and also uh, had a lot of meetings and had lessons learned meetings so that how the project went. And uh, in some cases, we're still building off of those results. It's really interesting when, when you describe the change management journey that you and, and your company are on. Uh, it's not really that old of an initiative. It, it, did I understand it correct? I mean, you joined only a handful of years ago and are now kind of building out this this change management capability inside the organization. Am I understanding that right? Uh, that's exactly right. I became a, um, a certified practitioner in 2019. And um, last year, 2021, we uh, implemented and included our OCM project. So we have actually Working with ProSci, we've trained um, all of our employees on change management and I've uh, conducted trainings across the company for project leads and then for managers and supervisors and management. And, and the results have been good because now all of a sudden we have a, a consistent change vocabulary that we've built. We have employees uh, talking to us and saying, I think we need change management on this. And so we're actually rolling out a new project called Sustain the Change. And uh, this is really aimed at managers and supervisors and giving them the tools that they need to keep keep this going so that uh, Sunflower can flourish. Our goal is that um, once I complete the, the advanced instructor education, that I will be certifying staff within Sunflower and it will have certified practitioners major area of the company. Yeah. So this is a pretty rapid build out, but I think that it's working well. I think you may be the first guest that we've had that's really talked about um, helping all members of the team to understand change. I, I love your the, the expression of change vocabulary to get everybody on the same page about how you communicate and think about dealing with change inside the organization. Did that take a lot of pushing from the OCM team to really push for the broader education throughout the, the rest of the, um, you know, your, your company, or, or was that something that came down from the top? Well, our executive team was just very supportive of that effort. And, um, we had had a, a two day training session for our executives, uh, where we brought ProSci master instructor in talk with them. And so. There was no problem with executives really wanted to do this. And uh, when it came to budget and acquiring e-learning materials that each employee could have access to, they could do it on their own pace, their own time. Um, they were good with that. Um, so we didn't have any, any trouble building a sponsor coalition. Um, I think that the employees were a little bit surprised by the effort because uh, you know, they'd heard about change management. They were familiar with the change cycle, but taking it down to the individual level and providing that training uh, actually stimulated some questions about well, why are we doing this? What's happening with the company? And and um, and those types were really good because then we were able to explain yes, change is happening all the time, and this is an industry that's full of change and um, and no, this is not a threat. What we're trying to do is to prepare you for 
but whatever can happen in the utility industry. Yeah. No, that's great. It really speaks to how change isn't something that just a couple of people do in an organization, but it has to be something that's embraced as, as part of the culture. And um, it's, it's interesting. I just recorded another podcast earlier today, and we were talking about how change management in many organizations still requires a lot of advocacy. There still is a, a, you know, a, a strong requirement to uh, really encourage or explain the value proposition of change. But when it comes down from the top and there's just a culture of uh, support for change, strategic change, and not just uh, you know receiving it, but actually being very deliberate about how you approach that, it, it, it can then take the framework that comes from ProSci and other things like that to be that much more productive, or so it would seem. Well, I think so. Um, just back up a little bit. Um, Sunflower is spread out geographically across the western thirds of Kansas. And uh, we have offices in Wichita and Kansas City, as well as major uh, generation facility in Southwest Kansas. Offices there and then in their office in Central Kansas and then corporate office in Hayes. So there are a number of calls present and talking to them about a unified culture, them being the employees, is pretty significant because they have they all have their own ways of doing things. Um, uh, cultural memory and, and, uh, and their own viewpoints. And so when we talk about change management, managing culture is, is one of those key ingredients. It's fantastic. Well, one thing I'd like to explore a little bit in an organization like yours that has such a large frontline workforce, do you think that there are differences in the way that change should be handled with frontline workers versus those who are in more traditional corporate jobs working at a at a desk? Well, th this is actually something that we've talked a lot about internally. Was, uh, it's easy for me and, and uh, anyone else in the corporate side to look at it through a corporate lens. So we, we're very aware that uh, we need to bring in the supervisors first and talk to them about, you know, why we're doing the change. Um, this is something that we learned with the Oracle project. Our supervisors wanted to know about the change before and, and you know, what was happening with the technology before all employees did, that they could be a reason. And, uh, and that was, that should have been earth shaking course, but it actually was because it was a different way of viewing things. And so with that, that geographically spread workforce and a workforce very technical and out in the field, uh, this was a crucial move for us. Um, I think that the other part of it is, is that for lack of a better term, change has to make sense. And, and uh, our, our line employees, for instance, uh, work with uh, probably everything that that they do has to make sense to them. And so if, if it's something that just, uh, for them, this is technology that they don't see the benefit of it and they're not realizing the benefits, they're going to question, why are we doing it? Well, that, that's a pretty common theme on our show, right? Which is really thinking about how to articulate what's in it for them 
And they are often left out of a lot of the conversations planning phase that led to the deployment of this new technology. And so if they are just on the receiving end of that change without any preparation, it's hard for them, certainly on their own, to figure out what's in it for them because mostly their perception is likely to be negative <laughs> that they have to change for the sake of changing. So how have you handled you know, communicating the, the, the part of what's in it for them to really help get them engaged? Have you found any uh, secret or special uh, methods there? Well, I wish that I could say yes. Um, I'm going to talk about one specific event where we uh, were talking to a group of employees about the Oracle project and um, with the direction of what's in it for me. And we were talking about the value of the project and cybersecurity and all those. And a lady in the audience just interjected and said, we have to do this. So why are you worried about what's in it for us? Why are you telling us about the value? And, and, you know, that was one of those um, moments where you kind of like sit back and go, whoa. And, uh, and so then we started talking more about what's required of me along with what's for me. And, um, certainly didn't want to say, well, your job depends on this because we met, that's, that's a little bit threatening, but at the same time, we wanted to put this in a framework of this is good company security is essential for us and utility and you can have a big role in this by looking at the benefits of this project it uh, can't say that it was an easy sale because uh, you know we are our state cybersecurity so there's single here you are again cybersecurity but uh, that was something that we worked with and we also talked about the ease of use and um, and the the way that this is interoperable, so that as purchasing work with um, say contracts and with requisitions, that accounts payable was brought into that well and legal. So uh, wasn't an easy sale by any means. You know, the the woman that made the comment in your group session that you were describing before, I mean that, that's a pretty interesting point, right? Which is. Or I can maybe take a different point away from the words that she said, which is sometimes I think when we're deploying technology to frontline workers, we're just trying to get them to accept that they have to do this, right? Um, but to the point you were making, there we want more than just we, we want for more than you to just acquiesce and just agree to do something that makes you miserable. That's actually not what we're trying to do. We actually want to help you find the path to enjoy and appreciate this. And the difference between the two is like a minimum viable or minimum amount of engagement versus maximum amount of engagement, right? And, and the only way that we can get there is to really help them understand what is in it for them and how it's going to make their job better and how it's not going to eliminate their job or that of their colleague and things like that, right? Some of the genuine causes of anxiety when we're rolling out new technology. Well, yes. And um, I think that one of the keys there is not to overpromise on the what's in it. Uh, because in some instances, uh, some departments receive more work, and other departments receive less work. The process has changed. And, um, and we're still encountering that and still working with that because uh, generally, human nature is well, wait a minute. 
Now all of a sudden I'm doing their work. Why is that? So, um, you know, this is a very key point that we don't overpromise and say, well, it's going to make the job easier. It doesn't. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great point. And that, that just speaks to another thing that seems to be coming a common theme lately is just the, the importance and the value of transparency in how we communicate. So you're right. It, you raise a really good point because there actually could be some things that to that individual actually increase the workload. We may be trying to track more information about assets, uh, you know, so they have more data entry in this case now. So we're adding new capabilities and there's a lot of wonderful things that come from it, but it may actually have a negative impact. It may cause a, a work order to take more time to be processed instead of less. But there's a reason why those things are happening. And so maybe it, another thing to think about is that what's in it for you is not necessarily uh, all that matters here, but what's in it for the rest of the organization and for your colleagues and for the customer and for uh, the safety you know, of, of the infrastructure and everything else. Yeah, I think so. And um, you know, one of the things that we read into the question was uh, that maybe we needed to build up that trust level and not use kind of the, the um, accepted terms of, well, we, we want to uh, use best practices and we want to add realization. We needed to really break that down into pieces that, that made sense to that individual. So that was a challenge for us. Yeah. Are there any things that you've experimented with or, or put forth where you would look back and say, you'd never do it again, where, or, you know, is it, is an approach to get folks on board with the technology or, or the overall change and just, uh, it didn't go quite as planned. I think that, um, again, kind of looking at this Oracle project, um, we talked about the broad benefit of cybersecurity that didn't uh, resonate very well across the company. And so, uh, yes, yes, cybersecurity is really important for us, but we really needed to break that down into the why that it's important and also to look more at their process and uh, if they were getting value there. That was something that we didn't do well. Uh, the other thing that we we learned from that particular project was the importance of, of a manager and supervisor in that, that chain of command and really teaching them and working with them to make sure that they understood the because sometimes they didn't. So the, the messaging, our lessons learned from that was that messaging to that, that supervisor and manager is just extremely important. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Or when when you are looking, I know there is a lot of process and a framework that comes out of ProSci about how to implement change in an organization like yours. Are there tools, technology tools that you use as enablers? And and I guess that could mean anything from using Teams video conferencing or Zoom or whatever, uh, up to any other specialized tools that you have found to be helpful in your change management endeavors. I'll, I'll speak to a different project here, and we use the AdCar dashboard a lot to this particular project. Um, this involves asset management and more specifically um, line inspections. And, uh, 
give some background to this. When I studied the process they were using to inspect wines, found out that the technicians were actually using printed spreadsheet and do the line inspection and add this print spreadsheet, check off what they were doing, bring it back. Someone else would do the data entry from that spreadsheet, um, upload it into a database, and then um, sometimes the data would never be seen again. And so there was no trend analysis or anything going on. Um, and so the project that we were looking at was using robotic process automation, building that internally, and then using hardened tablets to give the technician, they would have the script in front of them and they could do this out of not using all spreadsheets. Um, this was a project that had been talked about for probably eight years and been really batted back and forth about the merits of it. Um, there was a lot of discussion about using a third party vendor and there was not our technicians were interested in that, but our, our leadership was not. And so we had this internal solution using the RPAs. Now, we felt, we being myself and the project, that we had immediate employee buy-in. All the technicians had wanted this for such a long time that, that awareness and desire were just a slam dunk. And uh, we used the ADCAR dashboard and we used 20 questions talked about awareness and desire and, and uh, knowledge, ability, and reinforcement. Sent that out to not only the technical areas. And we found out that um, awareness and desire was not where we thought that it should. In fact, it was really lacking. And uh, when we pulled managers together and, and worked through the results in the survey, um, I actually heard one manager say, who did this survey? Who responded to this? I said, you and your employees. Because the results were that they had no confidence in, um, in the ability of the company to this project. And uh, they were very concerned about where they would get support. And then it was an, an undeveloped software solution. Um, they, they just felt that we were going down a path that not the right way. And, and again, when I say wait, when I say they, I'm talking about technicians and managers and supervisors. So it was a larger group. Now to the project leads credit, he, he took those survey results, called everyone together and he says, tell me what's going on. And, um really kind of a two-hour meeting where where they talked about you know what their fears were and, and why they were resisting the project because there was resistance and we uh, mark and i was the mark is the project feed we had talked a lot about the how we would handle resistance how we could build the employees into the solution and that was the exact thing that he did talk to them about how do you think we should do this and and how do you want the technology to work? And so we we managed to really kind of calm that resistance slightly. And uh, I, I can't give him enough credit because I'm 
a change manager is facilitating things. It's really the project lead that's doing the work. And so that also changed the way that we communicated about the project as we were talking. We started talking about the value of using those RPA, how they could connect to some flowers how it would free them up from doing a lot of work. Uh, we also found out that our view of training was really incorrect, just based on this is that ad car dashboard and a lot of different things for us. And we found out that um, we had assumed that they were okay with using. And the reality was that they, they didn't know how to use it. You just broke up a little bit, and I just want to go back to what you said. You, you said that you assumed that they were comfortable using tablet PCs. Is that what you said? Right. Okay. Yeah, our, our our major assumption was, hey, we'll give these guys these these tablet PCs, and they're going to be overjoyed to get these and take them out in the field, and and voila, we have a project going. And in reality, they didn't know how to use them. Uh, they didn't know how to use Windows, and. Uh, but all of a sudden, our training took kind of a 90 degree turn on and instructed people how to use the basics of it. And uh, so that was, we have two assumptions there. One, that there was no resistance to the project. And, and the other assumption, they knew how to use the technology and have a vote. Those, those, are, those are two big barriers to success had they gone un, unnoticed. Yeah. And, um, so that just those realizations really allowed us to uh, gain pretty good ground missions. There was another assumption that was um, kind of interesting for us. Was, of course, with the pro-sci approach, we come back and we ask about ability and reinforcement. I'm certainly back talking to, to Mark and saying, how's everyone doing? Do we need to bring them together and talk about this? Oh, they're doing great. And they're using it. Week later, we get back together and says, "You know what? They're not using it software. They've gone back to the old way of doing it because that's what they're comfortable with." And uh, I talked to them, and he says, "No, we're working on the ability and reinforcement side to make sure we're actually using." It. So, in that project, it major assumptions that took us the wrong direction. Yeah, it's fascinating. Well. Well, you know, it was really good for you um, to have really taken the time to to query the team and and to to come back and really understand what you were faced with. Because had you gone into that scenario, just depending on your assumptions, it, it could have been a, a much worse outcome. Now we we had no idea that there was a lack of buy-in at the very uh, opening stages of the project, and. I think that the lesson for us was that we had talked about this project for so long that technicians just decided, hey, it's not going to happen. And and even when it does, you're not going to do it right in nature. So uh, we had to overcome that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, what is a, a myth about change management that you think propagates inside your organization or elsewhere that you'd like to break up and clear up? Um, once we had success with change management, over and over and over from executives and managers, we need to put change management on these. 
and uh, and like most companies, we have a pretty limited change management staff. And so, stamping change management on this to make sure that it costs um, off that box is not the right approach. And uh, also, the, there's an assumption that hey, we're going to follow ADCAR by step. And and one of the myths that you know that's a myth for us because not all projects need uh, a cookie cutter approach. I think obvious, but in some cases, when I talk to project leads and to stakeholders, we find out that awareness is pretty good, and and the desire is there, and then maybe we need to emphasize knowledge a little bit. So, very careful now about. Okay, we need to put change management on this. We're asking. My question, why do we need it? What's our objective? Um, how does it fit within the company's objectives? And and what, what are the benefits that we're seeing in that project? Yeah. What would you say is the contribution to your organization and the, the change management culture that you you personally are most proud of? I think that the uh, having a consistent view of change management has really increased across the corporation. I think that the employees now see this as a positive rather than something added onto their plate and that they're willing to integrate it. Um, a couple of instances that come to mind that really kind of fortify that and that uh, the last training session that I did for our transmission uh, operations area, technicians were actually joining that training session from in and uh, and asking questions that were you know, exactly the right question to ask about how change impacting them and what they needed. Uh, um, that level of interest where they're able to, to say work from their pickup using a laptop. The employees gathered around it and participating in the training and responding. I said it's a golden moment. Um, you know, that tells me that we're reaching out in the way that we should. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty powerful to to see, especially when you have a, a workforce that may have started off reluctant. And when you see them come around, you know, th this has come up a few times on on the podcast. To, to see the men and women come around and to really embrace what we've all been working so hard to, to get out to the field and have them now become champions for this innovation or this change that they're experiencing is such a, a rewarding experience. So I think that's a, a really great example that you share. Yeah, I think so. And then as we're talking about rolling out this project and, and certifying employees within the company, there's more enthusiasm for that than I thought it might be. A chunk of their time and, and certainly wanting to apply their time on the job, but they're, they're really um, quite dedicated to change management and they know that it could be a positive. Yeah, I, I really hope uh, the folks in our audience are listening. I, I hope they're picking up on the same thing that I am. You know, we've we've now done probably thirty or so of these episodes of Frontline Innovators, where you know we're focusing a lot on on change management practices and the practitioners that are helping to enable that. And uh, I can honestly say, I I've talked 
I've heard some examples of change management being incorporated in the overall culture, but I don't think I can, I don't recall a scenario where it was as deep as what you're describing to, to the extent that you've really, you know, trained all your folks on, on the concept. I realize everybody's not pro size certified as a result of that, but that they have now acclimated as an entire organization. And um, I'm sure there was an uphill battle in, in the beginning, uh, an investment of time and mindshare to get everybody on the same page, but it really just seems like it would smooth out so many of your transformational initiatives down the road when you've got everybody rowing in the same direction. I think that it has, and uh, there was another event that we had last year that I really helped propel things along to. We had a um, pro-size strategic alignment with our staff. And, uh, we had a, a pro-size master instructor uh, a two-day uh, strategic alignment meeting, and we involved everyone uh, there was a limitation on the number that we could have in this, but we wanted involvement from every area of the company. So rather than just limiting this meeting to executive, we went for middle manager and, and had them involved in, in thinking about here's the company's strategy and here's how change interacts with that and here's the intersection process, strategy and change. And and then we were gathering their feedback and benchmarking that. We, we come back to that once a year to make sure that it's correct. Um, we're not inviting ProSci in once a year, but we're internally, we're same techniques, bringing the same together and, and really kind of uh, making sure that we're on track with a, a strategic view of work. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Well, it sounds like you've made a pretty big investment, not just in dollars with the investment of, of some pro-sci, you know, consulting and training and things like that, but also just the, the investment of, of time from, you know, all levels of leadership in the organization. And it sounds like you're, you're reaping the word, rewards of that. Um, I, we're coming up toward the end here already, um, but I'm curious if, if you could offer one piece of advice to another organization that may be earlier in their journey on organizational change management, what would that be? Well, surprisingly, this is something that I've just been reminded of in that I have to be proactive talking to project leads and, uh, and managers and supervisors about building change management. If I sit back and wait for them to come to me, chances are they won't. And, and even though we have feedback from them that says, I want to learn more about change management, I have to be really reaching out to them and uh, allowing them to know that, okay, I'm right here for you and uh, ready to work with you and, and help, help you. Um, and again, if I sit back and wait, I'll just be sitting there waiting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and that's actually interesting for, for you to say you know, after we just really talked about how well indoctrinated everybody in the organization is about change management, but, you know, old habits die hard and these project leads that are used to doing things in a particular way, I mean, we're trying to change how they think about change. 
And so they're not just going to flip a switch overnight and they're not used to pulling in you and your team into those types of conversations. And so I, I can see we've got to help get them out of that rut. Even if they're generally positive and supportive of it, they still have habits that need to be changed. Yeah. And I think that you know, the second part of this is that I have to have, I guess, the courage to say to them, I don't think your project is quite ready yet. Let's, um, let's look at your schedule and back a little bit because there's things that we need to do from a change perspective, make sure that you take hold of And, um, you know, if they're a project lead, that's a sort of a bitter problem because you've been all this work on your schedule and then you have this guy saying, Hey, let's slow down. It's tough, but I agree with the, 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 the point that you're making, which is that if we don't do the proper preparation and we just hold to the date as the highest priority item on the project plan, that's a recipe for failure. I mean, I can't even count the number of times that I've seen that throughout my career where a team was motivated more by meeting the deadline than actually by the all the other success criteria in, in the, the overall project charter. And it's not to say that we should be lax about target dates. I'm not saying that at all. But if we recognize that we have a readiness issue with the people that are going to be affected by this, the last thing in the world that we ought to do is go jam it down their throats anyway, because we're only setting ourselves up for more cost complexity and, and lower engagement in the long run. We're actually defeating the very purpose that we're trying to drive toward. Okay. So, and, and um, I think that, that you've been in this profession long enough to know that uh, every project that doesn't go well has a ghost. Those ghosts will come back to lunch and over and over again. We, we're really aware of, of um, the impact that, that change management has on the project as well as the Yeah. Well, John, this has been a fantastic conversation and I, I really appreciate you uh, spending a little bit of time with us. It's been good getting to know you on, on both our prep call and uh, in today's conversation. I think the audience is going to benefit a lot from what you shared. I'm, I'm really fascinated with the, the level of embrace that your organization's had about uh, organizational change management overall and just some of the tactics and strategies that you shared with us today. So thank you very much for doing that. Thank you, Justin. This, this is just a great opportunity. Well, thank you. Well, fantastic. Well, after today, uh, we're going to extend an invite to include you in the Frontline Innovators Council, which is a private group that we have on LinkedIn, where all former Frontline Innovators guests uh, convene on social media in a private forum where we can swap stories and um, do a little bit of networking inside there. So uh, after today's episode, you will get an invite to uh, come and join us on LinkedIn. And I look forward to keeping the conversation going there. I really look forward to that. Excellent. All right. Well, folks, we need to wrap it up there. Uh, I hope you found this conversation as enjoyable as I have. And if so, as you know, we ask this every time in every episode, please go out and share and rate the podcast. Five-star ratings help ensure that it gets promoted to other professionals like you that are innovating on the front lines. And don't forget, this podcast is sponsored by Skillful the mobile digital adoption platform for deskless and frontline workers. Visit the website at skillful.com. That's S-K-Y-L-L-F-U-L.com. And if you or someone you know is out there innovating on the front lines, we'd love to hear about it. We're always looking for more guests for frontline innovators to come and share their stories. So please reach out to me on LinkedIn. 
let me know who they are or tell me about your story. And we'll be sure to get you scheduled for another episode of Frontline Innovators. John, thanks again for your time today. 